the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. In addition to taking care of one another inside the church, what if we developed a lifestyle of taking care of the most needy outside the walls of the church? How would that change the community and our city? Bob Moffat, president and founder of Harvest Foundation in Phoenix, along with Pastor Julian Gibb, talk with pastors and leaders about how sacrificial love by those in the church to those in need outside the church has helped people see and embrace Jesus Christ. It's that demonstration of Jesus' greatest commandment that we'll hear more about today on The Kingdom and Its Stories. Welcome to those of you who have joined us at, at this edition of The Kingdom and Its Stories today. We're delighted to have you with us, and we have John Scrogans with us. And uh, John, welcome. We're delighted to have you. I just I just want to remind those who are listening and, and or watching <clears throat> that uh, this program is designed specifically to encourage the listeners through examples of other people who have heard God's call to be Jesus' hands and feet in the lives of the people. And, um, and so my prayer as you listen and or watch today is that the Holy Spirit will use this interview with John to encourage you uh, for th- uh, thinking new ways about how you can be Jesus' hands and feet right where you are. John, welcome. Well, thank you so much, Bob. I really appreciate the, the opportunity to be with you this morning. Well, yeah, we're delighted to have you with us. And where are you located? I am in Columbus, Ohio. So uh, the Buckeye State. Okay. A Midwesterner. A Midwesterner. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, John, the Baton Exchange is the organization you lead. Tell us a little bit about the Baton Exchange. We'll go into more detail later, but just what's a summary? Sure. The big idea is is to equip the next generation of Christian young adults to get ready to receive the leadership baton. And so we're trying to help them become um, influencers, redemptive influencers for Christ, no matter what their work is, no matter where they're placed in their culture. Okay, you talk about young people. What age uh, range are we talking about generally? Yeah, sure, Bob. The The age range that we're talking about is 20 to about 32 years old. So okay. kind of that 20 something. And so why have you chosen that age? Well, it's such a foundational time of life. A lot of big decisions are being made during that period of time. And uh, for whatever reason, the Lord's drawn me, drawn my heart to that particular uh, age group. And so your, your response to them or challenge to them is mentoring them? Yeah, it's mentoring them. It's equipping them. It's to help them think about um, uh, from a biblical worldview, how can they uh, live out their calling uh, as Christ is asking them to? Okay, so the young people that <clears throat> come into the Baton Exchange are already believers? They are. They're already believers, and so we're trying to disciple them and equip them kind of at the next level. Okay. 
we'll come to some stories about that in a minute. Yes. But but I want to know, first of all, uh, and our listeners do too, who is John Scrogans? Oh, I am a follower of Jesus, Amen. first and foremost. And then uh, I'm a dad and a husband. And uh, I just love to invest in young adults and and learn from older folks who uh, are interested in investing in me. So I'm a learner, lifelong learner, and uh, um, just really try to leverage that desire to learn and grow uh, in order to help others. How did God um, lead you to that place in your life? Well, my background's in business uh, academically and in the workplace. And uh, over time, I became interested in businesses mission and that kind of morphed into more workplace as ministry and so uh through this these different seasons of life god started um really kind of defining i guess a, a call in my life for workplace ministry but equipping others for that hmm. so uh, how did how did jesus get a hold of you <laughs> i was five years i was five years old so you grew up in a Christian family? I, I did. Yeah. My dad was a first generation believer. And then he shared, you know, his faith. He became a Christian as, as a young man. Uh, and then at five years old, I really did make a conscious decision uh, to follow Jesus. And as a child, even remember just being hungry to learn God's word. And so I'd spend time as a, in elementary school, just reading the Bible on my own and Wow. And uh, just uh, praying. And I remember God answering very specific prayers at that age. And so, yeah, he really uh, got a hold of me early. <laughs> What's one example of a specific prayer that he answered? That I was about five, six, him? maybe seven years old, something like that. And I had a yeah. stomach ache. And I went to my dad and said, Dad, I'm, I don't feel well. I feel sick. And he's like, well, <laughs> why don't you go pray about that? So I remember going to the bathroom and kneeling down and praying about this really bad stomach ache, got up and walked out, was gone. Uh, got it. Like he just, uh, he just like healed it. Boom. So that really um, left an impression on me. Now, has he done that every time since? No, <laughs> he said, yeah, all right, okay. all right. <laughs> but that was something that he did at a very early age to help me understand. I wish I had a picture of that. <laughs> what I'm imagining is the toilet is your altar. It was. <laughs> And uh, you know, kneeling down at that, and, and it wasn't because I was trying to get something out of my mouth either, stomach. Right. It was like he actually answered the prayer. So, amen, uh, amen. Okay, good. Well, that that rings a bell with me. My dad was a pastor, and mm. and I can't remember a time ever in my life that I didn't love Jesus. Mm. You know, mm -hmm. the, the you know. The conversion experience, I guess, was just as a decision. I'm I'm mm -hmm. going to publicly acknowledge, you mm -hmm. know, what I believe, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, but I was a little older, maybe seven. Okay, so you were yeah. pretty precocious at five. <laughs> well, and the thing is, Bob, is that he has demonstrated his uh, love for me as my papa uh, from a very young age, mm -hmm. and um, through down times, up times, thick and thin. Um, I've definitely known that he is there. He listens and he, he really cares. And so right. through these different experiences of, uh, very personal, uh, relationship, uh, it's just reinforced to me over and over again that God is real and, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he, he loves me and he loves John, others. John, how important was, uh, the example of your dad 
or your or your and or your parents, you know, in that realization of who God was. Uh, very important. My dad, my dad was definitely not when he became he wasn't he didn't wasn't right. He came from a pretty troubled background. So when he accepted Christ, it was a pretty dramatic turnaround for him. And um, uh, he shared how God had answered prayers as a young believer for him. And that really impacted me. Mm. And and then I remember and sometimes we grew up seasons of our family. We grew up in poverty. And I remember God answering specific prayers to provide and oh. uh, healing. Like my brother fell off. We were doing a construction project. He fell off a second story, broke his neck. Uh, our church happened to be there at the time helping us. They prayed for him. Boom, his his, his neck was healed, you know. <laughs> and uh, the x-rays showed he had a broken neck. We called the 911. They came, picked him up, took him to the hospital. I said, well, his neck was, fra- his neck's fractured, but there's like, it's, 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 there's nothing. He's healed. Like, it's all healed over. So those kinds of things throughout life have really reinforced it. And my dad <clears throat> did devotions with us nightly you know, uh, reading the Bible together and uh, so on. Yeah, so it's very formative. So when we start, when we talk about um, being Jesus' hands and feet, it sounds like your experience is that one of the most important places to begin that is with your children. Absolutely. Absolutely. I have an 11-year-old daughter, and that's top of mind for me. (laughs) It's how to disciple her. Yeah. And ultimately, the decision is hers what she yes, does with that. And, um, but I still feel a strong sense of calling to disciple her. Right. Okay. The baton exchange. Tell us, unpack for us, you know, how, what, what's the strategy in general? I know, I know I've, I've seen the chart that you mm-hmm. showed me the last time we talked and it was mind blowing. <laughs> also complex. So, right. Right. How, how can you how could you describe to our listeners and viewers um, mm-hmm. what the process is? Yeah. So with these young adults, I really believe they have capacity to influence and impact culture for Christ, you know, as redemptive influencers. So the question that I had as I was starting to develop baton exchange and the equipping ministry is, well, what does it take to be an influence for Christ in the workplace? And kind of reverse engineering that and essentially came up with some a holistic a holistic approach to developing young adults meaning. which meaning so like if so for example no one will really care about what you think about jesus if you're incompetent in your work yeah. you have no credibility in the workplace if you're lazy and also your character if you're lazy if you're backstabbing people people don't want to hear what you have to say about right. jesus it's right. inconsistent so what we try to do is we help them develop professional skills, uh, these professional competencies, help them cultivate character that's important to employers, help them understand uh, a calling, how's God wired them and designed them that can influence how you might want to use them. Um, we look at the core issues of the heart, uh, like identity. We just had a, a, a roundtable last night online of uh, how our identity or, or self-perspective influences the des- key decisions that we make. Right. Uh, so core heart issues, um, Christ issues. How do we think about work? What does God think about work? And then, so that's kind of like a, a biblical worldview approach. And then the uh, capacity has to do with their leadership capacity. Most of the folks that we work with aren't working with, they don't have direct reports yet. They're fresh out of college. Maybe they're 24, 25, 26. Right. 
but they can influence their peers. They can influence their boss. And if we think about leadership as being influenced, we can certainly equip young adults to be influencers. Yeah. How, how, two questions. Number one, how many people, young people, are you dealing with uh, at a given time, for example, right now? Yeah. And number the second question is, how do they hear about you? Okay. How do you make connection with them? Yeah. So answer to the first question, I'm not going to give the impression that we're some big ministry. We're not. <laughs> we're pretty small. So you're looking at the only paid employee. We have volunteers and so on. But uh, through our media ministry, which would be online videos, mm-hmm. um, we're touching about two to three hundred a week. Through that. And that's you placed mean on people our, our, who are watching the videos. Yeah, people who are watching the videos. So that's posted through our social media platforms. Okay. So two to three hundred a week through that, and then as we go more uh, intense with the equipping, we have fewer. So we have a Thursday night group of just a handful of young professionals and some leader uh, mentors who are part of that process. Um, and then we have online learning community, or that's a learning community. So it varies. Um, over the years, we've placed about, matched about 80 mentors in three states, mentor matches okay. in adults. And um, we now have, uh, we have alumni in different parts of the world, which is pretty fun. And some of those alum have cycled through our board of directors, which is also wow. kind of yeah. cool. So how so, many, you, you talk about global, uh, how many countries are represented in, the, in those two you've trained? Yeah, so we have probably 20, a little over 20 countries in region, 20 countries represented. Now, again, that's not like large numbers per, you know, like numbers of people in those countries, but it's been very cross-cultural for us. And those who go to another country, do they stay in touch with you and you yeah. work through them? To yeah, work with some them? do, some don't. <laughs> so, uh, yep, some are, um, yep. Some are, uh, we still keep in touch. Even some of them have cycled back through as volunteers for us and kind of zoom in or whatever. So we had that a few months ago with someone in China, for example, who went through something like 10 years ago. Okay. Let me just take a quick break here to let those who are listening and are watching to know that you're listening and watching the King of the Stories. And we have John Scrogans with us from the Baton Exchange. He's the founder and director of this organization, which attempts to equip young leaders in the business, in the marketplace to be leaders in the sense of being examples of people mm-hmm. who follow Jesus and to be influencers of those in their, in the place of their, of their work. Right. So, right. Right. So, you you in summary uh, from what i picked up you have about 3 people at uh, 300 people at a given time that are in contact with you through your social media but then you have online training right so we call those learning communities so those would be almost you can think of it almost like a small group so we have anywhere from 3 to 6 young professionals and college students in that along with a mentor or two online and so the vision is is to multiply those online groups um and right now i've been turning over leadership to those young adults so that we can multiply <laughs> good 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 tell us tell us some stories sure the results of sure well i'll tell you the you do. yeah well, i'll tell you the first story it's actually like uh it's a catalyst for me to continue doing what i do 
And it's unfortunately kind of a, a sad story to start with, but it's a catalyst. So um, I, when I was working in the marketplace in business development, um, I was part of a young professionals uh, club and I met Mike in that club and Mike had been a believer. And in fact, he was leading Bible studies on campus uh, at a large university and uh, he was getting discipled. He was discipling others and he was in a leadership role, but what happened for Mike is, is when he, he, he was in, a, he was in a, a business major and when he went into the world of banking and was no longer, he did that campus to career transition. He's no longer on campus getting really good discipleship. He had trouble uh, plugging into a faith community that was similar to what he experienced on campus right. in that campus ministry. So he walked away from his faith and that's where I met him. When I met him, he was kind of vacillating back and forth. And so it's like I discovered that there's way too many mics, unfortunately, out there who, when they move from campus to career, they're walking away from their faith. And I, I don't really want to see that happen. I want to help stand in the gap. So that's what we're trying to do. And so how did so, you how did you work with them? So we just continue, you know, we we've lost touch, frankly. That was many I've, that was like 15, 20 years ago that I was in that right. in that role. And uh, but now it's really motivated me to help. How can we step in the gap for the mics mm -hmm. out there? Mm -hmm. And so an example, one example would be Benny. Uh, Benny actually was a top uh, top graduate student for Ohio State University uh, MBA. And he um, he heard about our ministry through someone else who was in it. And so uh, we connected. He wanted a mentor. So Benny's one of these guys. He won the presidential award from the university for his grad studies. And um, he just found it hard to believe that you could follow Jesus and be a successful business person. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, let me tell you about Dave. <laughs> okay. And Dave was my mentor. And Dave was also on our board of directors and just loved Jesus so much. And Dave had been the Harvard MBA guy. He was a global senior vice president of a billion dollar company. And so I said, okay, Benny, let's meet Dave. <laughs> you can see that it is possible to really be from the world, from the eyes of, of maybe the culture, be extremely successful in your occupation and still be successful following Jesus. Right. And so I met, I matched him in a mentoring relationship and it really opened Benny's eyes. So now today, 10 years. So Benny eventually started on our board of directors Today, now he's a, a global leader for a global business, and uh, he's still following Jesus, and we keep connected and so on. So Benny is a great example of the importance of walking alongside young adults and showing them, you know what, you can excel in what you do and excel in your faith. Amen. Yeah, I really <clears throat> resonate with the time frame that you just unpacked, 10 mm. years. Mm -hmm. Uh, that that means there are a lot of ministries that start up and, you know, they come and go. Mm -hmm. But when you have a story, the first story that you told, you know, has a, a longevity of 10 years. That that means a great deal to me. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. really is the, the stamp of authenticity. Mm -hmm. And I love that. Mm. I can What's tell you, Bob, the 10 years hasn't been all rosy. It's been like a journey, well, right? Yeah, no. <laughs> God's faithfulness, you know. Yeah, but but hanging in there during that time, those non-rosy right. times, right. You know, means a great deal in right. my in, in right. uh, take. 
tell, tell, tell us another story that, that illustrates. Sure. There, there was a, another one, um, a Jeremy. This is more a little more recent, last three or four years. Uh, Jeremy's not on our board, but Jeremy's like a um, – he's an online counselor, and he's also part of the Air National Guard. And so uh, Jeremy – we just provide some of these practical tools, right, for them to be to be successful influencers. And I just taught him a typical. It's not original with me, but the acronym form F O R M. Using that as a conversational tool, oftentimes you can do that with starting a conversation or having a conversation for initiating spiritual conversations. But what Jeremy did is he learned what that. What is form? Oh, form. It's just a way to do small talk. So form is F family. If you don't know what to talk about with someone, family. O is occupation. What do you do? R is recreation. What do you like to do for fun? M is meaning. What brings you meaning? What motivates you? I like it. Can I use that? Oh, absolutely. I borrowed it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And so Jeremy took that, what he learned, and he took it to his church. And Jeremy basically got a, he's part of a ministry that inside the church that helps a lot of young men. So he brought all these men together, the pastor, some of the church leaders, and then he taught that to them so they okay. can use it in conversations. Right. And so I love to see that multiplication effect where people are taking something they're learning and then teaching others. Uh, so that was something that Jeremy passed on that he had learned. Yeah. So to what, what, would, what would you say to a pastor of a local church that has young people in it? Um, unfortunately, some don't. Mm-hmm. Let's assume that they do, and they're young people who are just getting started in their business career. What would what would be your counsel to them? Involve them, engage them, <laughs> and uh, in part of actually walk alongside them, help mentor them, and um, you know allow them to take on some leadership roles as they show themselves. You know, trustworthy, kind of little by little. Uh, they have a they need to be uh, equipped and they need to be encouraged. And uh, if you have gray hairs <laughs> you know, in the congregation, I have a few. Yep. Try to get them connected to each other, you know, in mentoring relationships. And sometimes both sides, like the younger ones are kind of like, well, I don't know what to talk about. And the older ones like, well, I don't know what to talk about. It's like, well, just get them together for coffee and give them a couple tools to talk to each other and get it started. Good. I like that. I, I really like that. How many churches, evangelical churches, do you, what percentage would you say um, have this kind of sensitivity toward the young business people in their in their congregations? Yeah, well, I, I don't know what the percentage would be, but I'd say it's pretty, probably pretty slight. Um, as we typically think about, our culture is starting to move more toward, um, or the church is starting to move more toward a theology of work. But I think it's still really lacking. So how can pastors encourage and equip their folks to think about their workplace as ministry, as a place to operate in their ministry? So uh, it's still pretty, very, very, very slim margin. Yeah. So there's a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and so what would you say to the individual who's listening? How could they be Jesus' hands and feet in this way? Um, I would say reach out to a young adult. You know, they believe it or not, they really many of them really do want mentors. They want someone to walk along. They want a guide by the side 
not a sage on the stage, kind of borrowing some other okay, people's like kind that. of, yeah. you know, they want someone to walk alongside them, share life with them, grab a cup of coffee, just see how they're doing. And uh, so be in, invite them over to your house for supper, you know. So uh, take yeah. the initiative. Take the initiative and don't be discouraged because the demographic is so many of them don't have a lot of ties of responsibility. So they can kind of be a lot more footloose and fancy free than what we prefer in our interactions. So you got to be patient and persistent. <laughs> yeah. I, I've in my experience, uh, John, I've discovered that, that young people really want that. Yeah, they do. But they don't know how to, to start it. Right. Right. They don't know how to initiate it. So uh, I think right. that for gray hairs like me, you know, it it's important for us to to take that initiative. Right. And to look for those young people who, you know, who might be floundering mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. and just, hey, how would you like to have a cup of coffee? Yep. Yep. And, yep. Don't feel awkward about it. Just do it. Right. Um, <laughs> John, thank you so much for your willingness to spend time with us today. And I've been encouraged, and I'm sure our listeners have. And may the Lord bless you as you continue to uh, to advance his kingdom by taking an interest in young people and mentoring them in the ways of the kingdom and in the ways of how do we how do we live the kingdom through our vocational life. Well, thanks so much, Bob, for the opportunity. God bless you. You as well. Thanks. Jesus defines discipleship as come and follow me. Next Monday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360, we'll hear another testimonial from a leader demonstrating how they and the people of the church are sacrificially loving the needy and beginning to see real change in their communities. If you have a personal example of how you are being the hands and feet of Jesus with your neighbors, we'd love to hear from you. Enter your story at harvestfoundation.org. That's harvestfoundation.org on the Contact Us tab. You can also subscribe to the podcast on The Kingdom and Its Stories on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.